Hi! Welcome to Coffee and Real Talk for Writers, where we get real about the writing life. Writing might be a solitary activity, but becoming a successful author is anything but. So grab a cuppa, pull up a chair, and let's talk. Hello, and welcome to Episode 7 of Coffee and Real Talk for Writers. I'm your host, Talina Winters, and I'm recording this on Thursday, February 10, 2022. And I'm recording this a little later in the day than I normally do. Um, I'm hoping there won't be too much noise behind me and I won't have to try and edit things out or explain weirdnesses, but I do have a couple people home, so we'll see how it goes. I may never do this again. <laughs> That's what I get for being so involved in my writing session this morning that I was late to move on to something else. Okay, so you probably noticed last week and this week that I now have theme music. Woohoo! I got the files just before I did my final edits on last week's episode, so I zipped them in there without making any kind of to-do about it and re-recording anything about it. But now that to-do is happening. I just wanted to give a huge shout out to my college classmate, Josh Rickard, who composed the theme for me because I just love it so much. Um, I, I don't know, just listening to it gives me energy. I basically, I just kind of told him like, I wanted to feel like this and this like, and like this. And he sent me back almost exactly what it is that you hear. Um, I, I had him make just some very, very tiny changes just to, just to fit what I wanted to do with it a little bit better. But um, yeah, it's basically exactly what he thought of when I just gave him that very vague information and it's awesome. And I just hope that when you hear it too, coming into the podcast, that it just gives you that little zing of energy too and makes you smile. Also, uh, Josh was really fantastic to work with. He's a wonderful composer in a wide variety of genres. I linked a few weeks ago to the the fan Spider-Man film that he was working on and uh, the music in there is just awesome. So if you want to check out more of his work or maybe hire him for your own project, you can go to joshrickardmusic.com and I will have that in my show notes every week, probably <laughs> for proper credit. Okay. So highs this week, my mental health has improved a great deal over last week. Um, starting about Monday afternoon, I started really coming out of that little funk I was in. Um, and because of that, I feel like I made, I made progress on my book, but it feels slow because I've mostly been in thinking and organizing and brainstorming mode and becoming distracted with website tweaking, which I'll talk about more in a bit. However, um, I have made some progress on the manuscript and, and I just want to remind you that I'm working on a sweet romance called Every Star That Shines. Um, so as part of that, I've created my own adaptation of Pinocchio into a kid's musical because the heroine is directing this musical. And uh, I needed to have an original version of it that I could reference without getting into legal trouble. So I created my own adaptation, but up until today, I'd only partially outlined it. But this morning, because I needed to kind of know more details about it to make sure I was including the right parts of it in the book, um, I went ahead and I finished outlining it almost to the end before I my brain gave out and I needed to go eat. Um, but yeah, I'm basically in the middle of the final battle for the outline and it was so fun. And now I want to write this musical <laughs> or I, or maybe I'll write it as a novel or maybe I'll do both. I don't know, but eventually not right now, but I am really enjoying it. So, uh, who knew? 
fairy tale adaptations. They could be so fun. Anyways, um, so I do hope to put a few more words in the actual manuscript tonight, maybe after I'm done podcasting, if I have any brain cells left, and then I also have my writing time tomorrow morning. So another high this week is that Alberta started lifting its COVID restrictions, uh, starting with getting rid of the vaccine passports, which we've had in place since we entered our Delta wave last September. And I didn't realize how much uh, that lockdown and just the way, it's not like we've been in lockdown really, but um, the vaccine passports have restricted a lot of things and caused a lot of dissension, especially in my part of Alberta, which is rural. Um, and I didn't realize how much this news would affect me. Um, it was a little sooner than we expected, to be honest, based on what our premier was saying. And it kind of felt like it came out of the blue a couple weeks earlier than I expected, actually. But just the news of it, it made me really emotional because I guess I see this like as the beginning of the end of what has felt like this never ending ordeal of the pandemic. So this, even though we're not out of the woods by any stretch, um, we're going to be dealing with the fallout of the pandemic for many years to come, if not the rest of my lifetime and those who have lived through it. But still, I think this bit of hope had that effect of just like going, oh gosh, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. So that was also really helpful as far as my mental health too, even though that news came, I think it was Tuesday afternoon. Um, anyways, lows for the week. Well, my low happened earlier in the week, uh, kind of coming out of last week when I was in the, in a funk, um, cause I just wasn't in a good place emotionally. But last weekend I read the book 4,000 weeks time management for mortals by Oliver Berkman. And by read, I mean, I listened to it on audio, um, narrated by the author, which was lovely because he's British and has a wonderful accent. <laughs> anyways, um, so this book came out, I think it was in October of 2021, and I started hearing about it, oh, at the beginning of January, I think people were talking about it. It was kind of building some buzz. And I really, I went and I checked it out because at the time, like these were people I respect. So I went and I checked out the premise and I looked at it and I'm like, eh, I don't think I need this right now because uh, I felt like I already understood the basic premise of the book, which as I understood at the time was we only have so much time, so spend it wisely, which basically is the premise of the book, <laughs> but, but that's probably an oversimplification. Um, anyways, I didn't feel like I needed to be reminded of that because I've done a lot of work based on my limitations in my schedule, etc. already, which is, you know, um, as a chronic over planner, over uh, like someone who just always expects I can achieve more than I do. Uh, within the last year and a half, two years, I've actually, you know, thanks to the practice of time blocking, I say would be a huge thing that impacted this, uh, been able to mostly check off the things on my to-do list every day because I only put things on there that I actually plan to achieve most of the time. I still slip up once in a while, but mostly I'm there. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of passed it by, but then I heard someone talking about a specific thing they learned from the book that really resonated with them. And by then, um, you know, a little time had passed and I was starting to feel a little overwhelmed, I think just with how, like with that burnout recovery backslide that I was talking about a couple weeks ago. And I was just like something about 
the thing this person said. I think it was like, I think it was Jamie Albright on the Wish I'd Known Then podcast said something about it that just really struck me. And I had some Audible kickets, credits kicking around and I was feeling really funky last week. And so I just went and I, I downloaded the audiobook. So it was wonderful and I do recommend it, especially if you're someone like me who is constantly trying to achieve more than reality permits or who feels as though you're being left behind or not meeting expectations. Um, so that was some of the things the book covered. Probably not necessarily the most impactful thing for me that I got out of that. Because I, I mean, I already recognize those things about myself, as I said. However, um, it was exactly what I needed to hear in the midst of my funk last weekend. So it turns out I did need that reminder, even though I didn't think I did. And I especially appreciated the perspective he brought about how most productivity methods are ways of trying to control the future to achieve certainty, which can never be attained. And how like when you recognize that, that you can never reach that place of ultimate security or certainty or whatever, like you're never going to get there. It can just give you a different perspective on what you're doing right now. Like is everything you're doing now really worth it? That whole thing about trying to control the future by attaining certainty. I looked at that and I looked at my schedule, which is full. I have really long hours in my week and it still kind of overwhelms me sometimes. Like there's a lot of nights that I wish I could just have the evening off to just noodle and be creative in ways that I haven't pre-planned or haven't scheduled. And what happens to me when I don't pre-plan for those times is my brain makes them happen, which is what manifested itself this week as I was um, sucked into a project tweaking my website branding, which wasn't something I'd planned to do, but I needed to do that so I could have some time to think about other things and also to do something a little different. And so I did it. I've been kind of sitting on this with this truth there for about a week now. It'll be interesting to see how it ripples out in my life. I've been looking at my schedule and trying to think about how I need, how I could rejig things and what I'm willing to give up in order to have the kind of life I want to have now. And um, it's going to take some thought. It'll probably take some discussions with my husband. And I think the hardest sell will be for me personally and my own expectations of what's to come. But it, it needs to happen. Anyway, uh, I do recommend the book. I don't agree with all of his takeaways, but I will definitely definitely be listening to the book again. Um, there was just a lot in there to digest. Okay, so let's talk about websites for a minute since I've been mentioning mine and I've been working on mine this week. Um, I don't know where you are in your author journey or your creative journey, so I just want to talk about my opinion about websites because new authors are often like, do I need one? Do I not need one? Well, really, I mean, if you get down to the most basic of basic things, what you need first is a book. So definitely focus on your book first. However, as soon as possible, I believe that even if you're doing a really lean startup as a creative or an author, uh, having a space on the internet that you own is one of the basic first steps that you should invest in. So, um, getting started with a website, isn't that expensive? I've done a few like 
multi-level marketing type or networking type businesses in the past. And the startup fee for those was always way more than getting my own website started. So it's really not that expensive. At the very least, get started with some kind of a free platform and then buy a URL and point it at that free platform. That's like 15 bucks a year. Okay, so that is the most lean of lean. And as soon as you can afford it, get on some kind of a basic plan so that you actually can incorporate the URL into your website and you will have a space that you own that no one can take from you on the internet. The advantage of this is that you can be putting your own URL in the back of your books or on your business card and pointing it there. And later when you do get your own website that the URL is incorporated into, uh, you don't have to go change any of that other, other stuff. It's already been taken care of. So um, yeah, get that URL pointed at a free domain. However, what, or a free, a free website, but then get your own website as soon as you can. And the thing about the website when you first start out too, it doesn't have to be super complicated. I was talking to another editor recently who was just getting started and she was completely, she seemed overwhelmed to me about all the things she thought her website had to do. And it doesn't have to do a lot. All it really needs to do is tell people who you are, um, what you do, uh, why, why they should listen to you essentially, and then tell them how to get a hold of you or a hold of your product or service. I mean, you can do all that on a single page. It doesn't have to be a multi-page website even. So yeah, when you're starting off, keep it simple. But over time, you can build up organically. Website maintenance uh, is something to do well that you have to be constantly kind of keeping in mind. Some people don't enjoy it very much, and so then once, especially if you have a very fairly simple business model where you're just an author and you're writing books and you're publishing them, um, it's not gonna require that much maintenance, to be honest. But that is not my business model, so we're gonna be talking about that today. <laughs> Anyways, that's it for my beginner marketing tip for websites. So now, as I just hinted at, and as you well know by now, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, I am a multi-creative passioneer. Uh, I am a multi-passionate creative. So I have some special needs when it comes to my website. Not only that, at the beginning of this year, one of my goals for this year is to um, really make direct sales from my website uh, like a viable source of income for not just my knitting patterns. And it already was pretty good for my knitting patterns, but I'm working on actively making that, uh, like making that income go up. And I've already started to see that even with a little bit that I've already done in the last few months, I'm starting to see that income go up, which is good, but I want to continue to make that go up. And I also want to, um, make direct book sales from my website be, a viable thing like I am not speaking well about this right now but I think you understand what I'm saying anyway so but because I have so many different things that I do for my website like besides the knitting patterns and the author brand I also am an editor so I have that running from the same website and then there's still some vestigial stuff and it's not necessarily vestigial it's just things that I'm not actively pursuing right now um, as far as my music biz business and things like that so just for a quick recap of my history, I have been working in online spaces since 2005 when I started my own company as an online retailer for an elite brand of Saddlepad. At the time, I was just selling them on eBay. 
Oh, and if you don't know what a saddle pad is, it's it's what goes between a, a saddle and a, a horse's back as a layer of protection. So, um, so I I started blogging in 2006. So that was when I created my first own personal online presence by starting a free blog on Blogger. Okay. So as my interest grew, and I inevitably turned those interests into businesses, as one does, right? <laughs> my online presence became more and more fractured. Yeah, so that's the downside of having so many interests and turning them all into businesses. So I used to have, like at the peak, when it got to be the most unmanageable, I had several different websites. So I had my blogger blog for my personal blog, which is Winter's Day Inn. If you're ever wondering why, if you come to my website and I call it the Winter's Day and blog, that was my original blog name on Blogger. And I just kept it when I moved over. Um, then I also had a business blog, which I'd started also free for my saddle pad retail business. And then I um, eventually, like I think around 2012, I actually created a business website for that saddle pad business because I wanted to start doing direct sales off of eBay. Um, but that particular platform, I can't remember what happened, but something about it wasn't working for me and I had to change. Um, and then I also, I think around 2010, I started a music website and blog through a service called Banzoogle that I think no longer exists, but I'm again, not hundred percent sure about that. If, if you, if you know that Banzoogle exists, like leave me a comment and correct me. I'm not going to look it up. I also think that there was at like at least one more web presence somewhere out there in the world that I've just forgotten about at this point. Um, so if that all sounds a little crazy and hard to maintain, it absolutely was. I think I was trying to promote my knitting design business at the time from my personal blog as well. And then I was only actually selling them from online marketplaces, which wasn't ideal, but it did work. However, I knew that I wanted to start selling them directly from my own website. So the truth was I actually wasn't maintaining any of these websites well. In fact, most of them were really, really poor, except for my personal blog, which at the time I still posted to like pretty regularly, like many times a month, sometimes several times a week, uh, way better than I do right now. Let's put it that way. Um, I was also driving myself kind of crazy because I wasn't doing a better job at maintaining those other websites. So in 2014, I decided I need to overhaul my businesses and my brand. And this might've been sparked by the thing that um, happened with the other platform I was using for my saddle pad business. You know what I think it might've been is that that was the year that Google made a major change to their algorithm that um, was going to basically uh, penalize websites that didn't have a mobile responsive version, which that platform did not at the time. So like everybody, all these platform providers were scrambling to try and get some kind of a mobile version available. And I know that I did have, it had a mobile version, but it wasn't great. So anyways, besides that, I was just growing, going crazy, trying to do everything. So I started looking for different website providers for that. And then I think at the same time decided that it was time to simplify my personal creative brands as well. So I decided to keep the saddle pad business separate because I knew I didn't want to do that forever. And it was an entirely different type of business from my creative pursuits, which were based on me 
versus me just being a retailer for someone else. But I did amalgamate all my creative identities under the TalinaWinters.com domain name at that time. Up until that point, I'd only used it for my music. Um, so that was when I built my current website on Squarespace. So why I ended up with Squarespace is because um, they had had responsive web design as part of their all of their templates and they'd done it from the start. I don't know how old Squarespace was at the time. They weren't, like they were pretty well established, but I think they had also just within the previous year introduced their commerce plan. And that was one of the things I was looking for because I wanted to be able to sell my knitting patterns direct from my website. And, and that responsive design was, I could see why it was important because I think I was already getting about one third of my visitors from mobiles uh, mobile devices on my retail, like the saddle pad website before I changed over. So I could see how important that was. And I think it's closer to half now. I was going to go check it before I recorded, but I forgot because our internet has been out for most of the day again. So that's made it challenging. I can't just go do something as soon as I think of it. And I forgot to go back. Sorry. Uh, but it's pretty high. Most of the time it's really high. Sometimes it's actually over 50%. So anyways, I built my saddle pad business on a different store that had an affordable commerce option that was pretty powerful and I could use it um, for that. And then I settled on Squarespace as the platform for my creative website, uh, which I called my personal website at the time, um, just to differentiate. And just in case anybody's wondering, I haven't done the saddle pad retail business for several years. I was able to sell it a few years ago and I was quite happy to do so. And I've been pursuing my creative businesses ever since, quite gladly. Okay, so I'm building this website that's incorporating all these different aspects of myself. And the question became, how do I brand myself when I have so many different audiences? <laughs> and if you are a multi-genre writer, th that can be a challenge in itself. Um, but I, I mean, I wasn't writing yet at the time. I didn't have any published novels. I was writing, but I didn't have any published novels. Um, but you know, I still had quite a few different things to, to incorporate. And I knew I was asking a lot of a website. So I wanted to be able to sell my knitting patterns directly from the site. I wanted it to host my blog. I also wanted it to be a good website to support the career I intended to have as a musician. So Squarespace did have a few drawbacks at the time as their commerce feature was still practically brand new and it wasn't very robust yet. Um, but I could see that they were an actively growing platform and I loved what they had to offer. Plus the templates were stunning. <laughs> I can see why they won awards. So for the most part, I've never regretted that decision to go with Squarespace. My website has grown a lot since then, and it now hosts three stores, one for knitting patterns, another for books. My print books are uh, that I sell direct. And a third that I added just this week for print on demand merchandise. Um, which is an integration with Spreadshirt uh, that I just discovered last week. And I was like, oh, I'm getting on that because I already had some POD merchandise that I had to sell on Etsy because of the way it were. Anyways, I'm just going to say basically I, I, I put this web app up and I uploaded all my designs and away I went. So I'm quite happy about that. Very excited. 
can't wait to actually sell one, <laughs> something from there. Anyways, but I also have two blogs, uh, which I still have my personal one of Winter's Day in. And then I also host one for writers now called Writing Tips. And now this year I added this podcast, which Squarespace hosts podcasts. So I was able to just, um, I already had that infrastructure in place when I decided to go for podcasting. And I have in the back end that most people don't ever see, I have a whack of supplementary pages such as my media kits and even some photo galleries for clients who once upon a time actually paid me to take some pictures for some reason. Um, I'm very much an amateur, but uh, they had a photographer cancel last minute and they hired me and I hope they turned out okay. Anyways, point being, I have, this website has been so useful to me over the years. Um, and they've also added a lot of features since I joined them, including some that I don't even have time to use yet, but I'm glad to know that they're available when I want them. Cause I look at them and I go, Ooh, shiny. <laughs> what could I do with that? <laughs> ah, that's my brain. Okay. And besides the uh, Spreadshirt POD integration, I have recently learned of some other integrations I'd like to take advantage of to make my life easier that will help me with accounting and things, but I just haven't had time to implement them yet. Anyway, because I signed up so long ago, I'm still on a legacy professional plan, which has mostly continued to meet my needs. But uh, as I've mentioned in some recent podcasts, I've had some recent shifts in my goals and that has left me feeling a little dissatisfied with a few of the limitations that still haven't been addressed by Squarespace. Um, and I seriously need to start bugging BookFunnel and Squarespace to make an integration because that would solve one of my big pain points in ebook delivery. But anyway, <laughs> so I would really like to have customers have a way to leave reviews on my site because I think that having that social proof on the site would make a huge difference in my plans to expand my direct sales. Um, and as I mentioned a few weeks ago, I thought the only way that this could happen was if I used Squarespace's integration with Etsy to import my Etsy reviews en masse. So it'd be like all of my Etsy reviews would appear under every product, which is definitely not ideal, uh, even for my knitting patterns, but I definitely wouldn't want to use that for my books, for instance, or for the merch. It doesn't make sense. So that's what I thought I had. And so I was like looking around for other third-party integrations I could use and who doggy, there's some really expensive ones out there. But this week I discovered that if I actually upgraded to Squarespace's basic commerce plan, they have a native review feature that will become available to me. And I just hadn't been able to see that because they don't list it specifically on their pricing sheet. But, and I, I just discovered it kind of like accidentally and I was like, oh, well, that would have been good to know. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the upgrade is, it's a bit of a ding. But I think, you know, it wouldn't take me that many more sales a month to cover that. And I'm hoping that I'll be able to get that many more and then some to make it more than worthwhile. So, um, and besides that, I feel much safer using that than uh, a third party integration with a company that I may not know, like I, I, I wouldn't really know and wouldn't really trust. And so I'm definitely going to do this. I just been kind of trying to get some accounting done so then I can go ahead and upgrade my plan, even though it's a bit terrifying. Uh, I mean, the, the legacy plan that I'm already on is pretty versatile. It has mostly met my needs so, no, so far. And once I upgrade, there's no going back. I'm stuck at that higher price point. 
then forever. Unless, well, I mean, I could downgrade, but then it also lose those features, uh, a lot of the features that I that I do use. So basically, I'd be stuck at that higher price point, unless I crash and burn and go up in flames. Anyways, I believe just getting that social proof on my website will be worth it, worth that upgrade on its own. And there's some other features I'm going to get when I upgrade that'll just be like icing on the cake. So I'm excited for it. Um, it won't solve all my direct selling pain points when it comes to books, especially besides the book funnel ebook thing. Um, there's some issues I've been trying to figure out as far as shipping prices and stuff like that, that I haven't solved yet. But uh, eventually I could maybe upgrade, like once I, I increase my sales to the point where it feels justifiable, I could upgrade yet again to the advanced commerce plan, which would address some more of those issues. Anyways, and maybe I'll discover some other awesome integrations to solve my other problems too. In the meantime, maybe BookFunnel and Squarespace will shake hands and make friends. <laughs> that would be great. Anyway. Okay, so moving on, I have been inching toward uh, the goal of, of increasing that direct sales from of both books, books and patterns from my website uh, this year. And I just like, I do a little bit of, I've been doing some tweaking on the website. It's not all website based. Some of it is actually like a good chunk of it so far has been the knitting pattern revisions that I've been working through um, to just increase the quality of the product that I'm offering across the board. So I've been working on that, but I have been doing a little bit of work on my website to make it more accessible for visually impaired readers or knitters, I should say. And basically just, yeah, to make the design more appealing as well. So I've been working on that a little bit here and there. And as part of that, yesterday, I made a new personal logo for myself for the first time in at least 10 years. Uh, the one that I have been using was just, it was just my name in a funky font. And it was kind of one I fell into by accident because when I started my Banzoogle website for my music website, like way back in the day, uh, they had this template that just, the template I chose used a special font and just put my name in that font in the header of the website. And I really liked it. When I was creating my new website, I'm like, huh, I want to keep that because I'd kind of started already incorporating it into other branding. So I just went and I got the font and I created my own logo from it, which is what I have been using ever since. <laughs> ah, which just goes to show you, you can just grow organically, folks. It's <laughs> totally fine because it has worked. It has worked. However, um, as my business has evolved over the years, I've just continued to use that because my business was so fractured that I didn't know how to make my logo be more indicative of the kind of business I ran. And I maybe didn't, I mean, really it was only in the last few years I, I really started to understand how fonts communicated branding and, you know, even more about how branding and design works together. Um, but besides that, I just I just didn't really give it much thought. Once I put it up there on 2014, I was like, no, yeah, this is good. We'll just keep using this. So I've been using it on my newsletters. I've been using it on everything. I have I have a separate logo for my knitting business, which is under the name My Secret Wish by Talina. So I did have a separate logo for that. But um, then when I started my publishing imprint, um, I also called that one My Secret Wish Publishing. 
it was just like it just seemed indicative a good a good way of indicating what my brand was about but also <laughs> there are a, a gazillion printing or publishing imprints out there <laughs> and like I googled so many and checked so many URLs and stuff and like of of all the ones that I liked n- nothing like ever they were all just used okay <laughs> so I was like okay well this one is free let's go with this so I went with it because it was already part of my brand and I'm really glad I did because it's perfect and I've really really taken to ownership of it now but anyways my website is under my name so I wasn't really sure what to do with my branding to make it more cohesive uh, besides sticking to the general brand guidelines I'd already decided on like in broad terms I wanted to be inspirational whimsical hopeful educational and I wanted to spark connection then last year when I recovered my rise of the Grigori books I had my graphic designer create a new logo for my Secret Wish Publishing. And before that, I had one. Uh, my symbol for my Secret Wish has always been a blown dandelion. Um, and I did have a little logo that I had made myself with some brushes I'd licensed from the internet. And then I just made this thing with Photoshop. And the it wasn't great because um, the brushes were actually like silhouetted images of of a real live dandelion so that it didn't have the nice little vector look that I wanted but I don't know how to do vectors it's not a skill I've ever learned to do and so that was the best I could do so then I got my designer Patrick Knowles to make me this little logo and I loved it it has this cute little blown dandelion vector as part of the design that I put on the spine of my books now so then it occurred to me as I've been reworking my branding over the past month that my funky name logo that I've been using for 10 years or whatever, um, it doesn't really fit the mood of any of my current businesses. And I should probably update it. Unlike if somebody's coming here for books, it doesn't really tell them what kind of an author I am. If someone comes here for editing, eh, it's okay, but it doesn't fit any of the other branding on my website. And if somebody comes here for knitwear design, it doesn't really fit that either. So yesterday I made myself a new logo with a new font. I incorporated my Secret Wish Publishing as part of the logo. And I used the little blown dandelion vector that Patrick made me as the eye in winters. And I love it. So if you, uh, want to see it you I'll try and put it in the show notes I'm not sure how well images come through in show notes because I'm a newbie we'll find out but you can also go to my website at talinawinters.com and just see it in the the top left corner I think just that's the thing about brands is they do they are organic and they can grow over time that's why I think other bigger companies even rebrand on on occasion because maybe the previous logo or branding no longer quite fits what they do So it's totally fine to rebrand over time as you need to. Anyway, I don't know if there's a lesson to be learned from all that rambling. Besides, if you're a multi-passion creative like me, um, branding is going to present some interesting challenges that someone who focuses on a single thing won't have to deal with. However, it's also the kind of challenge that multi-passionate creatives love to rise to. So eh, it's not really a problem. It's just... uh, it's another puzzle to solve. Let's put it that way. I actually do have a workshop about cohesive branding for multi-passionate creatives that I've taught at conferences and people have really enjoyed. Um, 
but so far it's just it's it's an in-person class only. However, if that's something that you would be interested in taking, let me know. Uh, I, I would run it as an online class if there was enough interest to make it worthwhile, or I could even create a course that would be take it at your own pace kind of thing. I just don't want to spend my time doing that if there isn't any interest. Anyway, so we're down to the mug quote of the week. And this mug quote of the week is actually one of my mantras that I've been saying to myself for over a decade. Um, and I have it on an actual mug because I have had it designed into a little cute mug thing and put it on my print-on-demand merchandise. So you can actually get this on a mug if you want to go to talinawinters.com slash merch, I think. Um, if you go up to the shop in my website's navigation and you can see merch in there. Anyways, the quote is, slow progress is still progress. <laughs> so building a website, maintaining a website, building a business or growing a business all take time. But all the bits of effort you put in, no matter how slowly it feels like you're progressing at the time, will all add up to something great. So that's why for me, I constantly need to remind my impatient self that just wants to finish things, that slow progress is still progress. And that goes right back to what Oliver Berkman says in 4,000 Weeks about we have to embrace our own finitude. We have to embrace our own limitations if we're actually going to be as productive as we could be. That was a terrible, terrible paraphrase. That's the problem with audiobooks. I couldn't just like... <laughs> I couldn't just like go and highlight it and then come and check it later to, to tell you guys. Um, I'm thinking I might actually buy this book in paper, which is not something I do very often, but I think this is something that might be worth having and perusing and underlining and making notes in. Anyways, slow progress is still progress, and you can quote me on that. So question of the week, what's your biggest branding challenge right now? And if you don't have any right now, but you've solved some before, what was it and how did you solve it? So you can leave a comment on this episode at talinawinters.com slash podcast, and I will put a direct link right in the show notes. I hope that you have a great week. Thanks for coming and having coffee with me and happy writing. Coffee and Real Talk for Writers has been produced by Talina Winters. The music for this podcast was written by Josh Rickard of joshrickardmusic.com. You can find episode show notes, leave a comment, subscribe, or if you're feeling generous, buy me a coffee at tolinawinters.com slash podcast. And be sure to leave a review on the podcatcher of your choice. Tell your friends to come by too. The kettle's always on. So until next time, I hope you keep writing and keep it real. Thanks for listening. Bye.